When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to Crunch Time. Bailey Fritz. Brad will tell you. It's a class act. Trying to get a little bit of separation, but Petty's oh. running like a gun. Runs around, Rivers. Frederick for a shot of goal. Oh. He's cut the margin to a point. How's My goodness me. To try and knock him off the oh. footy. Ball out oh. to Walters oh. with a left foot snap. Everything. Everything is turning to absolute gold for Fremantle. Just past Collier. Have a look at the little tap from Frederick. Away to Schultz. My goodness me. Absolutely brilliant. My goodness me. What a corner. And conquered GMHBA Stadium. And today they conquer the MCG. A 12 goal to one second half for the Fremantle Dockers. Who have knocked off the D's. Their first loss of the year. The Dockers snap Melbourne's 17-game winning streak with a 12-goal-to-1 second half at the MCG as Lockie Schultz booted four goals. After a lean fortnight, are we all buying back into Fremantle? Berry runs onto the footy. Tom Green closes it down up towards the top of the square. Must defend him. McCarthy picks it up and dribbles it through and kicks his fourth. And what an answer that is from the home side. To Cameron, snaps around the corner. Oh, he's kicked it! It wasn't the cleanest possession, but he got it to boot. And he's kicked one of the goals of the day. Bobbling ball for Jeffrey to take. He tried to sell a little bit of candy, then puts it into space. The goal square rolls through. Bit of magic from Joel Jeffrey. Siren will sound, and the dogs, well, they haven't exercised the demons after losing the grand final at this venue. They certainly have dominated the Eagles and crushed them by 101 points. The Suns have won three of their last four games and are creeping up the ladder. The Lions put the foot down after a scare against the Giants, while wins came easily for Geelong and the Dogs. A big Sunday of football awaits. Carlton and Collingwood, the showpiece. We're at Marvel Stadium ahead of St Kilda and North Melbourne. This is Crunch Time. Round 11 continues on into its final day, the final day of Sir Douglas Nichols' fortnights. Three more games to come your way today across the nation on AFL Nation. St Kilda and North Melbourne up first. Carlton and Collingwood's in the middle of the day at the MCG in front of what should hopefully be a pretty packed out G. 
and then Port Adelaide and Essendon to finish us off. Jordan Canellos with you this Sunday afternoon, filling in for Nat Edwards, alongside myself once again on Crunch Time on a Sunday is Liam Pickering. Pickers, good afternoon. Oh, good morning, even Jordan. It's only eleven o'clock in our time. Morning, I, mean, I know you had a I've, big night calling the A League last night, I've been but up it is only eleven. It's, like it's only eleven a.m., mate. So yeah, good morning <laughs> to you and all the listening audience. It's uh, it's good to be here. An interesting round of footy so far with the Demons going down, which was a big upset. Absolutely, that'll be the that'll be the story of the round as far as results go, unless there's some crazy upset that happens today, which. You never know, it might end up happening, but uh, but Melbourne losing their first game of the season and uh, losing their first game since round 18 last year uh, is the story. And uh, and that was uh, quite the performance from Fremantle after really failing to hit the scoreboard properly in a big way the last two weeks. They did it with a... Uh, with a, a big win yesterday against the Dees. Well, it's another big scalp, isn't it? They went down to Geelong and beat the Cats, and then they've, now they've knocked over Melbourne at the, you know, in Melbourne. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big win. That's a huge win, really, because I don't think anyone's uh, tipped the, the Dockers to win that game, but, you know, their second half was emphatic. Absolutely. The other results from the day, the earlier game was uh, Brisbane and the Giants. Uh, it was 16-14-110 to 15-6-96, but the Giants got out to an early start against the uh, against the Lions, and uh, I think it was uh, six of the first seven goals that the Giants scored. Brisbane came back and put the foot down in the middle quarters and ended up overrunning the Giants, but uh, a 14-point win. The Giants weren't too bad. They've had a couple of decent matches the last two weeks without getting the results uh, at every moment, but under Mark McVeigh, they've uh, they've had a little shot in the arm, which teams normally get when they have an interim coach. Yeah, they do. Uh, they were very good last week, but uh, they weren't up against a great opposition in the West Coast who are really going poorly. Another 100-point loss yesterday. I mean, they are just listless at the moment, the, the West Coast Eagles. But, you yeah, know, that was, that was a good performance. I mean, Brisbane in Brisbane's a hard ask, and, and they were in the game for a hell of a long time. So uh, it shows that they've got so much talent on their list, doesn't it, really? Um, and Mark McVeigh's got a little spike from them, Spike. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Geelong, 42-point uh, winners over Adelaide. That was a, a pretty easy result in the end for the Cats. Uh, they, their forward line fired again with Jeremy Cameron, four goals. There were six goals shared between Tyson Stengel and Grind Myers, the small forwards, and uh, and Tom Stewart at the back had 40 touches, including 17 intercept possessions, and it looks like he's just walking into another All-Australian jacket. Well, there's no doubt he'd be in the All-Australian team. He's the best halfback flanker in the comp. And he was brilliant again yesterday, but he just plays that goalkeeper role, really. He just sits behind the ball, and they just keep banging it into him, and he just keeps reading it like a cheap novel, really. A uh, very good player. And, well, look, I mean, the Crows, well, I thought they were plucky. I thought they were yeah, really good. They just struggled to score goals, uh, which was, you know, you're never going you know, to beat good sides if, you, if you're kicking points. Their first six scoring shots were behinds, and I think there were four, at least four of them were really easy goals, too, they missed. So, you know, they shot themselves in the foot early in the game, and the Cats were a bit strong after half time. Yeah, accuracy is uh, inaccuracy is hurting Adelaide. Seven goals, thirteen yesterday. That was after nine goals, fifteen last week against St Kilda in a game where they were in that match up until the last quarter, and the Saints ran away with uh, I think four of the last five goals of the game. Um, but they were in that. They probably should have. Well, they were definitely a chance to win last week against the Saints. Uh, it was maybe a, a bit more difficult yesterday against Geelong. But Adelaide, it shows that it's been probably their story, really, for the last two years, I'd say. The Crows trying to get this rebuild going after a pretty poor 2020. But they're, thereabouts, but just unable to, to really finish the job off yet. No, well, that's it. And I look, they did, they were missing Tex Walker and you know, a couple of their, their young forwards that have actually been going pretty well. So, yeah, look, I think overall... That they're scoring, they needed to grab every opportunity they could. And they just didn't do it yesterday because, 
when you've got your quality opp- yeah, your quality forwards not playing, I mean, you need to make every post a winner when you get a chance. And they had their chances. It weren't good enough, unfortunately. But yeah, it's been a good round. Oh, I've really enjoyed it. It started Friday night, of course, with City and Richmond, which ad nauseum we've talked about that, you know, 50 metre or non-50 metre or whatever it may be. But Brisbane were, you know, good win yesterday against the Giants, who really were challenging. Uh, Melbourne, as I said, that... What happened to Melbourne after halftime? They got completely outplayed. West Coast, well, they're just going terribly at the moment. And then Gold Coast last night, did they put a foot on the Hawthorne throat? Jingo. Well, Gold Coast, this is uh, becoming quite the impressive run for the Suns. They've won three of their last four games. You look at the teams that they've beaten this season. They've knocked off Carlton, Sydney, Fremantle. They've also had wins against Hawthorne last night, West Coast earlier in the season. But that's a... You know, at least you know three of those five, or maybe four of those five, depending on where you put Hawthorne. That's a, that's an impressive list of wins for the Suns. It is, and look, they've got their percentage up over a hundred. Finally, I mean, it's been a long time coming that, but uh, with a big win last night, you know, by the sixty points or whatever it was, fifty-four points, no, sixty-seven points, in fact, yet last night, I should say, uh, it just gives them that little bit of a, a nudge to where their percentage is probably not going to be enough, really. If you're going to be around that bottom part of the eight, you would think. And they're fighting now with the likes of Western Bulldogs and Richmond and Collingwood and these type of teams that are around that potential chance in the eight. Um, I think the Bulldogs probably helped themselves last night with a big 100-point win. Uh, and Richmond obviously let, let an opportunity slip on Friday night. And for the for the Suns as well, that's that'll be one of the biggest scores of, of the round. It's the second-highest score so far, 18-13-121. Scoring shots is just something we don't normally see from Gold Coast that often to, to actually accumulate that many shots. Um, in a game up in Darwin as well last night, it was a pretty uh, big occasion for two youngsters in uh, in Joel Jeffrey, last week's rising star. Malcolm Roses had a couple of goals as well. Both of them uh, are top end boys, so they they did well in their uh, in their hometown. But that's uh, that's not a scoreline we see often from the Suns. It's not, and they've got these two games in a row in Darwin, so they're up there. They're acclimatising to the tricky conditions that are at Darwin. By the way, and always a slippery, sort of steamy, sort of hot game up there and uh, they've got North Melbourne next week up there as well so to take Hawthorne apart last night and you'd think they'd do a number on North Melbourne next week for mine but all of a sudden they've got themselves in a position where well, they might be they might very well be challenging and then uh, the other game was West Coast and Western Bulldogs which we mentioned briefly a 101 point win for the Western Bulldogs their biggest ever win over the Eagles Tim English might be the story of the game he had a career high 25 touches eight clearances 11 score involvements kicked a goal as well and uh, as it's looking like, he'll, uh, he'll sign a, a contract again to stay at the Dogs. Uh, it's a, uh, a double whammy for the Eagles because they were hoping they'd land him, but uh, he's going to stay at the Dogs and then also uh, did, the, did the job against the Eagles last night. Yeah, the Dogs have got a number of good, really t- talented players that are out of contract. And Dunkley's another one who's out of contract too, of course, you know, who I look after. But um, he's another one that they want to get signed. He was terrific again last night with 25 and two goals. And English looks like he's done. They've got, I reckon they've got, Half a dozen top liners like Bailey, uh, Bailey Smith and Caleb Daniel. So they've got a bit of work to do to get everyone locked, locked and loaded. But oh, I think we all know when they when the dogs are playing at their best, they are a genuine, serious football team. And, and they were at their best last night on the West Coast. Well, they're a shell of their former selves, really. A percentage of forty nine point seven. I mean, mm. horrible, just horrible. And it sums up where they're at, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So who overall, Mark Guy, without saying who the biggest winner of the day was yesterday, but if you were to give us a handful of uh, big winners yesterday, be it a team or maybe a good performance from a player, who stood out to you yesterday? Well, Fremantle is the story so far of the round for mine. Uh, they, they just, no one expected them to win. They've had two really poor games in a row. They've come to Melbourne. They've beaten the 
the sign that everyone was thinking we're going to be going through the season undefeated. Well, I think we can knock that on. Well, that was knocked on the head pretty quickly yesterday, I would have thought. Um, individually, I mean, oh, there were some unbelievable performances, really. I, I thought Rory Lobb played an unbelievable game yesterday for the the Dirty Dockers. They were terrific. Uh, yeah, English, you mentioned, and, and Dunkley, they were the two that stood out there in that game. Uh, and the Sun's just a genuine side. And then Friday night, of course, you've got Big Bud Wah that just, when the game was on the long, Big Buddy just stood up, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Friday night. Let's let's actually rewind just a little bit to Friday night. What Can was we, your let, take let's on just, the... Uh... Let's just not have a half an hour on this, buddy, whether it was a 50 or not. <laughs> I, I, copped an hour, I copped all day of it yesterday. I'm listening to everyone dissecting whether it was or whether it wasn't. The first caller we had on off the bench yesterday was was Trout from Whitend, and he was saying it should have been a 50. Look, <laughs> you know what? It wasn't paid. The umpires need to get on. Someone needs to come out and say, right, this is what happened. Yeah, we, they've already said officially that they don't think it was a 50-metre penalty, and it was... Common sense, and I agree it was common common sense, but... So yeah. you think it wasn't? It shouldn't have been a 50? No, I think it, to the letter of the law, I think it was a 50. But I think um, it was a 50 too. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. I mean, we're going to whinge about this, you know, for the next week, and it's going to be all that everyone's talking about for the next week. AFL need to, yeah, to be fair, I think they need to put up yeah, an umpire and say, all right, this is the reason we didn't give that 50, and just come out and say it, on the radio the next morning and we just put it to bed. Yeah, with the, AF, with the AFL going to back their umpires regardless of what the decision was? Yeah, like, well, of, course, of course they were. Every decision is <laughs> a correct decision when they're, when they're in, in hindsight. But anyway, I mean, again, I don't want to waste too much time on it. I think we've had a day and a half of it, so I don't think we need to do much more on it. But take nothing away from the Swans. They were in all sorts of trouble there at half time, and they came out after being five goals down and, and it was a terrific win. Yeah, Lance Franklin, as you said, was uh, was immaculate on the uh, on the night with a bag of five goals. But uh, he won't be seen next week unless he goes uh, and challenges at the tribunal. But the MRO yesterday gave him a one-game suspension for his strike on Trent Cochin, um, uh, judged uh, intentional, high contact, low impact, and that spits out a one-game suspension. So he won't be there next week at the MCG for the Swans as they take on Melbourne in what will be a pretty good game. Uh, at the MCG on Saturday nights. Um, so he's out. Is it the right call from the MRO? Oh, I thought it was a glancing blow at best. I don't think I would have given him a week, but you know, maybe I'm a fraction biased. But oh, I thought it was a bit, of, a little bit over the top, to be honest. I didn't think there was much in it at all. Cochin didn't even didn't even flinch really, apart from throwing his head back. I didn't think he even flinched. So, but anyway, one week is one week. So you know they'll they'll find a way to to give themselves a really good chance to beat Melbourne next week without him. To the letter of the law, I guess it's it is the right decision. I guess the the only other outcome is that they throw it away completely and they don't even acknowledge it. But well, it's a reflex. When it's a, when it's, it was it's a, a when it's a strike. Yeah, I know. It's, look, it looked like a bit of a weekie to me, but I think if Buddy wanted to punch Cotchin in the head, he would have done it a little bit better than he did. So anyway, it's a reflex thing. So anyway, he's copped a week. That, I don't think they'll appeal, or they might appeal, but I'd be surprised if he, if he gets off it. So. Anyway, that's uh, that'll be a big big loss for what's going to be shaping as a really really big game because the Swans have got themselves up to sixth, seven and four. They're going well. Melbourne have shown they're vulnerable now. All of a sudden, the team has shown how, they, how you can potentially knock them over. Uh, and it's just I think it's it's given the competition a bit of a boost. To be honest, Melbourne getting beat yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. It creates a uh, an interesting storyline now around around where the, um, the the scores come from, from Sydney. Not that they will lack without Buddy because they still have other goal-scoring avenues, but that one big matchup that we might have been looking forward to in the Swans Ford 50 won't be there next week because Franklin is out suspended. And, and Stephen May yesterday uh, copped a head knock and he'll be out with that concussion. So what might have been maybe Buddy 
uh, won't be anything. It'll be you know <laughs> McDonald v uh, Logan McDonald v maybe Jake Lever in the forward line. That'll be the, the yeah, marquee forward fifty matchup. That's okay. I mean, I like Logan McDonald's coming along really nicely as a footballer. I, I really like what he's got. Uh, you know what he shows, and he, he was terrific against uh, Carlton there a couple of weeks ago. So I think he's a uh, very talented young player, and this season is really starting to shape up. Zip zip. Because I'm just looking, today's game is massive, Collingwood and Carlton. Massive game. Really, I'm so looking forward to it. Because Collingwood and Carlton today, if Collingwood win, they are right in the mix of being in the, in the eight. And Carlton, well, what an opportunity to go to second spot, basically, if they win today. Well, Collingwood at the moment on the ladder are sitting in 10th. They're 5-5. Five and five. Um, their percentage, even if they win today, their percentage probably won't carry them into the eight. But they'll be right there, equal with the Dogs and the Tigers uh, on a 6-5 and five win-loss record. That's if the Pies get the win. Carlton are in the top four as it stands at the moment, but can go equal uh, second. equal seconds, yeah, with Brisbane. Yeah, which would be huge, wouldn't it, really, when you think about the Blues. And they have got serious weapons, Carlton, we know that. Um, I just think this will be a fascinating game this afternoon. I'm really looking forward to, to having a look at that game because I think the Pies, when they play anywhere near like they did last week, they're somewhere near their best, they are a genuine football team. Like they've knocked over Fremantle in Perth last week and did it easily. And did it easily. So if yeah. they come back and they're in good nick physically and they've had a good week on the track, I think they'll take it right up to Carlton this afternoon. What's been the, 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 the one sort of fundamental big change that you've seen from Collingwood this season? From last year to this year, you go, that's what they're doing differently. That's what they're doing better this season, the Pies. Oh, they're playing with a bit more spirit and a bit more freedom, I think, when they get the ball. I think they're playing quicker. But they look like they're playing with a smile on their face. You know, when your teams have been battling a bit and they've been, they were in a bit of a rut last year and we all know that and hence why they changed everything from the president to the coach to whatever. I think Craig McRae's got them playing with, with, with spirit and with real love and fight and, you know, they, they just look to me like a really happy team. And when you're a happy team, it's amazing how many good things happen to you. So I think they're playing a selfless game of footy at the moment. I think they're playing a really spirited sort of style of play and I think they're getting their results. What do you reckon the crowd is today at the MCG? Because I've heard people estimate anything from 60 to 70 to 80 to, I think, 90 was uh, Riley Beveridge at AFL Media. What, what do you reckon? Oh, the, I think uh, there'll be 78,493 uh, people there today. <laughs> right, I've just got a feeling that's what it'll be. 78,943. But, um, 78, <laughs> but I, I think there'll be a massive crack. Cause it's a cracking day in Melbourne. You wouldn't get a, a better afternoon. If you're sitting at home going, oh, will I go to the footy today? Yeah, go along. It's going to be a belter. It's going to be, be a fresh. belter. Oh, it's a bit fresh, Zip Zip, but you're in at Marvel Stadium with the roof on and your big hoodie on, and you've been, you've been calling the soccer last night. Well done. Uh, MCG this afternoon. What an afternoon to watch traditional old rivals, Collingwood and Carlton, going at it. I think it'll be a cracking game. If I'm a Carlton or a Collingwood fan, I'm going. I'm telling you right now, I'm going. I, I have half a mind. I'm calling the St Kilda game here at Marvel Stadium, but I have half a mind to pop up the road and catch a second half at the MCG. Well, just it's still it, close. Well, yeah, there will still be room because with that 78,943 people, they'll still let you in. It's not a sellout, but yeah, I do think it's going to be a big crowd this afternoon. And to be honest, as I said, I, I don't see any reason why if you're a Collingwood or a Carlton fan, you wouldn't go along today. Yeah, unless it was a genuine reason. You know, you've got kids' school, kids' footy or whatever it may be. But, geez, if you can make an effort to go there, it'll be a serious, it'll be a seriously good game today. Our game coming up here at Marvel Stadium, the first game of the uh, the three today is St Kilda and North Melbourne. Wins have uh, they've come for Saint for the Saints. They've won their last two, but haven't come all that easily. They haven't really put a side away this season, apart from their win against the Hawks 
uh, back in round four, I think that was a 69-point win. But some of their wins have only been by about 10 points, 17 points, around that mark. Haven't really demolished a team this season apart from the one. And uh, North Melbourne, well, there's a, there's hopefully there's a bit of feeling today for North and a bit of fight after what has been a, a uh, an arduous last two weeks with all the headlines around North. So uh, do you give... It's been a week of talking with North, hasn't it, really? Yeah. A week of talking. That's all I'm I'm hearing is just talk. So they want to show something today, North Melbourne, I can tell you that. They were competitive last week. Will they be competitive today against the Saints, even if they don't win? Yeah, they'll be competitive, I think. You can't can't tell with North Melbourne. How can you tell? I mean, they've been on every radio station, newspaper, you name it, for a week. And I'm still yet to know what, what the actual issues are. I mean, there are people walking out. There are people saying, oh, we're all united. Then we're not united. I've got no idea. We've got commentators arguing with each other about North Melbourne. You know what? Today's their opportunity to show something. And I think they'll show some spirit early. And they're not going to beat St Kilda in my view. I think St Kilda are far too good. They're, they're an underrated team, St Kilda. They are, they are actually a, a very good team. I, I actually wasn't a buyer on St Kilda at all, Zip. I just said, oh, yeah, St Kilda. Yeah, well, they'll do their usual stuff. But... Their win last week I thought was terrific against Adelaide. I thought it was a fantastic win. Because the Crows were good last week. Didn't do much wrong, except for missed goals. St Kilda I thought was superb last last Saturday night. So, no, I expect St Kilda to win comfortably. But, geez, I tell you what, the talking's over today for North Melbourne. They need to show something. Something. They've done a lot of talking. I was actually almost surprised at, at, you know, in this sort of time that, you know, with all this talk around North Melbourne, how frequently they were putting up Benamafio and... Brady Rawlings and in no, a I nutshell, think it's a, thumbs up, thumbs down to that strategy, Pickers? It's a thumbs down for me. I'd still that you know, put your head down, shut up, get on with it, and let's see how they go this week. But North have always been an open sort of book when it comes to the media, and sometimes that's good and sometimes it's not. And I thought this week it was overkill. Every time I turned the radio on, Ben Mafia was on or Brady Rawlings was, was on. I, I don't know. Uh, to me, it's like, shut up and just do something. That, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm a, I'm a, you know, a North man. So, you know, not, not fully, fully North man anymore. But, you know, I have got a very much a soft spot for North Melbourne. But I just thought this week was an opportunity for them to go, all right, we'll do it early in the week. We'll address what happened with the, you know, Glenn Luff and the recruiters. You know, they've gone. This is what it's about. Now we move on. Now we're putting up David Nova. We're putting up Ben Amafio. He's doing it. He's throwing the press. Then he's doing a radio interview. Then he's doing a TV interview. Shut up already. Just get out and, and, and get on with it. That, that's how I would see it. You know, but everyone's defending the club, defending the club. Defend- you know what? The only way, the only way, Zipper, that they can do anything about showing that they're fair income is today. one ten today against St Kilda. If they come out and put in a dismal performance, that last week of the media rounds is the biggest waste of time we've ever had. Correct? Yeah, p- yeah p- because people, people always want to talk about the team on the bottom of the ladder and what's wrong. It's the easy topic. So unless you, the only way you can alleviate that is by showing them what's right and by winning. Yeah, and that only shows them one way. Is, is the coach the right man? All right, you know what? Let's see today. Are, you gonna, are the team going to come out and play with a bit of spirit? Because they haven't been. They've, been. they've been abysmal. So don't tell us he's the right guy and don't tell us the players are all in it together if they put on a feeble performance this afternoon. Now, I don't think they will. I think they'll be pretty good this afternoon. But gee, I'll tell you what, talk's cheap, real cheap in my view. 
Coming up on Crunch Time today, we'll head into both camps of these teams, St Kilda and North Melbourne. Corey Enright from the Saints, Jordan Russell from the uh, from the Kangaroos, the assistant coaches. We'll have Cam Rayner on the show as well in uh, just under an hour from now to uh, recap the Lions' win over the Giants. Speaking of the Giants, before we head to the break, the, uh, a headline from just before we went on air from the GWS Giants who have announced that uh, Bobby Hill has been diagnosed with testicular cancer. Um, he'll be unavailable uh, in the coming weeks as he undergoes surgery next week. So uh, That's sad news, isn't it? Yeah, very unfortunate. And our thoughts go out with Bobby and his family and, you know, the club will get behind him. And, oh, geez, we're seeing too much of this, really. These young men that are, you know, have got these issues, Ben Cunnington, Sam Doherty. Um, but anyway, at least he's got some, he can draw some strength from those other boys because he's, they've all been there. And look at Sam Doherty at the moment, he's going brilliantly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. And I guess... He's lucky he's got the support system around him and the, all the medical help that uh, AFL clubs have for their players. So he's in a good environment to, uh, yep. to do the recovery. And, yeah, there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, inspirational stories around him to, uh, to uh, help him through this next little phase, Bobby Hill. And uh, I guess this serves as a, as a reminder to a lot of young men to, uh, to get themselves checked because testicular cancer is uh, more prevalent in, uh, in, in younger, the younger male demographic. Uh, we'll take a break here on Sunday Crunch Time for South Australia. Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. Jordan Canellis and Liam Pickering coming back on the other side of this as we go a little deeper into the games from the weekend. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. I'm just really proud of the players. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, clearly the last two weeks have been really disappointing. And, um, you know, we could have... Sometimes when that happens, you go, you can go insular and, and become, become about the individuals. But from the very start of the week, it was about... Um, us getting back to playing team footy and the way we had previously before um, before those two bad losses. So um, yeah, they invested in the week. Um, we came with a clear plan, and um, you know it didn't all go our way, but we stayed we stayed true to it. And um, the positivity at half time was really strong. And um, yeah, we played a great brand of footy in that second half. Justin Longmuir, the head coach of the Fremantle Dockers after their win yesterday at the MCG by 38 points over the Demons. That came off the back of two six-goal losses in a row to Collingwood and the Suns uh, through rounds nine and ten. And uh, before that, they had a six-game winning streak. So six-game winning streak broken by two losses in a row and finally back on the winner's list yesterday and uh, forcing a first loss upon the Demons since uh, round 18 last year. Jordan Canellis and Liam Pickering with you, uh, taking calls all weekend on the Kogan open line. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile from $2.90 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. Pickers, uh, Fremantle yesterday, their win over the Demons um, again, showed us the best of, uh, of the Dockers and what Justin Longmuir has been able to do with this side after we hadn't really seen that for the, uh, the previous fortnight. No, we haven't. And look, the Dockers are very, very incredibly well coached in my view. I, I just think this guy's a, a ve- an excellent coach, Justin Longmuir. Yeah, he had two disappointing games. I did the, the loss against the Gold Coast, you know, where they just didn't get their hands dirty, really. Didn't get, really didn't get down and dirty like the Gold Coast did in a contested wet game of footy. And then last week, they were poor. Collingwood outplayed them from the very first bounce. So uh, to turn it up and come to Melbourne and really get their act together. And look, they weren't going great at half time, but they hung in there. And then the third quarter, it all clicked for them. And 
the work rate, completely outworked Melbourne in the finish. That's that's what happened, and they were overwhelmed. The demons in the finish. Now I, I hear all these parlor be people saying, "Oh, that's the, that's the loss they needed to have." Well, it's the wake up call Melbourne probably need, and it'll, it'll sharpen them up. Well, maybe it was exposing a few things with Melbourne. I'm not sure. I mean, we need, need to look more closely at that game, but yeah, it certainly shows that they're not uh, not unbeatable. The demons. Yeah. So Melbourne led by about five goals. Uh, just before half time, and then Frio surged on with an eight goal to one third quarter and 12 goal to one second half. So, when Melbourne have normally been the team to put sides away in the uh, in the second half, uh, when they've kept sides in it, normally they'll uh, they'll they'll go ahead and streak away. And um, yesterday it was Fremantle who did that to them. I, I'm with you on Justin Longmuir. I really like him. I think the first season we saw him was in 2020. And there were signs there. He's a defensive coach. He's been the defensive assistant coach at, at clubs before, mainly Collingwood um, under Nathan Buckley. And, uh, and we saw the, the signs of his defensive pragmatism as a coach in, uh, in 2020. It fell away a little bit last year and they sort of lost their way. Maybe he tried to go too attacking to add to the, uh, to the scoreboard. But it's, they've, they've struck a nice balance this year. And, and that's um, clearly it's one of the things that teams have to be so good at is team defence, ground defence, and then the uh, the actual defensive unit, the back six. And uh, and he's got that well-drilled Justin Longmuir. Yeah, he's a, he's got a t- players that buy into his, his style of football, really, the way he coaches. So I think that's always a good sign that they're a young team. They're going to have a very big future in Fremantle. It's the first time, in my view, and it's the first time in the history of the club that they've got a genuine future, you know, as in a premiership future, in my view. Um, you know, I know they've made grand finals with Pavlich and all these guys. You get five back into that side. You've got a couple other players to come back in as well. I think they're a genuine footy team, and we won't be this year. I think they're going to be around the mark this year. They'll make the eight, but I'm not convinced they'll win it, you know, in the next year, maybe the next two years. But, gee, when you look at the young midfield they've got, you look at some of the, the quality, you know, the young ruckman, the young midfield, you give them another two years, and I think they're going to be a genuine footy team. So no flag mantle this year? Personally, I can't see them winning it this year, but I mean, you know, I mean, Melbourne came from nowhere really last year. I think everyone, this time last year, everyone had doubts on Melbourne still. Oh, they beaten and whatever. And they showed because of their their age demographic and the, the profile of their list was such that their very best players were at that age. They were at that perfect age. Why? Hence why they've lost one game in 18 games or whatever it may be. Their best players are just at the peak of their career and Oliver and Petraka and Gorn and you go through them. I mean, and I think Fremantle aren't far behind that. They're maybe a year behind that, but yeah, they're they're a team that I've got a big watch on. And I've never been massive on Fremantle. I mean, they've won, they've been in the competition twenty seven years. They've won nothing. Yeah, they've won nothing in twenty seven years, and they've got close once. They made a grand final. Yep, well done. But to me, they never really stood for a lot. I think this group, they've got a group they're putting together. They've got a fantastic off field. They've got a very good coach. They've got a very good list management crew. Robert Walls, a young bloke, David, does a terrific job uh, with identifying the right talent to bring in from a list management perspective, but they've recruited brilliantly, absolutely brilliantly. So they've got young players that they want to buy in. You know, they lost Chera last year. Okay, they lost Chera. Disappointing. They wouldn't have wanted to lose him. They didn't want to lose him, but they replaced him with an, another top-end top pick. So, I mean, to me, I think there's not going to be too many wanting to leave Fremantle in my view. Yeah, I agree with the the age profile, the squad profile as well in terms of. Uh, so the on the age profile, I always find that, um, well, at least my, this is my observation. I might be skewing it one way or another. People might think differently, but I always think that teams who have who who lean a little bit younger are teams who are 
probably going to be more competitive for a flag. And that's not always true. Geelong have been an, an older team and they've been right in the, in the mix for flags in the last handful of years. But uh, with Fremantle able to bring in a lot of these young players in the last two years, a lot of them defensive as well. You think of Heath Chapman and yep. young Brandon Walker and, uh, and, uh, and um, Hayden Young across the back line. These are all guys who are in their first, second or third year and they're all performing really well. Uh, you get another year into, into Andy Brayshaw. He's turning into an elite Caleb midfield Sarong. this year. Caleb Sarong as well. Will Brody's getting a good run at it now. He's arguably recruit of the year. Um, but also, so age profile, but squad profile and positional profile. I think yeah. it's always, always good to have a clear idea on where what the roles are in the team, which players fill those roles and stick to that continuity because as soon as you start moving the magnets, it, it becomes, it gets all over the place. Yeah, I agree. And, and look, they've got, I think the second best Ruckman in the competition in, in Sean Darcy, who's a terrific player. Not only that, he's the most comfortable of all the Ruckman going forward. So you've got Sean Darcy, big tick in the Ruck. You mentioned the players in the midfield. You know, we've got five to come back in there. You've obviously got Brayshaw and Sarong and these guys. Uh, they've got a very good defence. You know, they've got Luke Ryan, uh, they've got Alex Pierce and Griffin Logue in the key posts. Like, yep. they, they're good players. They're off-Broadway guys. They could walk into Marvel Stadium and they walk straight past you getting a pie zip. You wouldn't even know who they were. <laughs> like, they are nondescript in Victoria. But yeah. they're genuinely top-line players. So, in my view. Uh, and then you've got young Chapman and these sort of guys that are coming through, as you mentioned. Uh, I think – I actually genuinely think they're going to be – they're going to have a serious future, this mob. I, yep. I'm serious on that. I and mean, I think with his game style – that Longmuir, hence why he was so highly rated. With his game style, I think I'll give him two years and I reckon they're right in the mix for a flag. Yeah, I'm not and sure it's this year. It might be next year, but I don't think it'll be this year. Um, well, after yesterday, geez, well, why can't it be this year? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I guess our, even after yesterday, it feels like our default position is still Melbourne are just too strong. And it's only their first loss of the season. And Fremantle might be the closest team to they Melbourne this season. Yeah, but Melbourne can still win the flag. Oh, Melbourne, of course. Oh, they're, they're still the favourites. <laughs> they can still win the flag. Well, there's one for the there's one for the digital team. <laughs> Melbourne Zipper says Melbourne can still win the flag. Thank you, Zip. <laughs> the boys will put that up on the site. Canella says Melbourne can still win the flag. Well, about yes. time I put my name on the website. Yeah, no, 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 you can't because <laughs> Miles Fitz is normally on there. He's ringing him saying, "Put me on." Fitz, he said this magic. Uh, anyway, so yes, I think uh, Brisbane. They seem as the the heir apparent, if you like, Brisbane. Now, they got a nice little scare yesterday, a little wake-up call. Got knocked over by Hawthorne last week in Tassie. Hardly convincing yesterday. Uh, yet to win a final. They didn't win a final last year, did they? They went in straight sets, Brisbane. And I think the year before, they might have won one final. So they haven't got a one, great September record, Brisbane. One win in seven, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, so there you go. So unless they can start winning finals. I think that they can, Brisbane. Uh, they still, to me, look like the best two teams, but... Uh, I do have a doubt on Brisbane because of their lack of ability in finals. I think their finals record would tell you that. Is that you know start winning finals, then we'll start talking about you seriously. But at the moment, they're in a default position as, as the second best team in the competition, in my view. Stephen May uh, was uh, knocked out yesterday. He was subbed out of the game early on. Simon Goodwin, the coach of the D's, spoke about Stephen May and uh, and his immediate assessment after the game. Um, well, obviously he's concussed, so he'll miss next week. Um, so he uh, didn't get through the protocols, so came out of the game pretty early. But obviously, with the protocols, that forces him out of next week's game. But yeah, you know, he's walking around, talking to the group, and um, he'll be fine. But uh, you know, obviously, missed next week. How much do you think losing him early affected the structure of the side? Didn't help. Um, 
you know, he's a pretty important player to us. Um, so um, to have him out of the game for that period of time, we had to shuffle some things around from a, from a role perspective. Normally we'd have Tommy McDonald who pulled out of the team yesterday to head down back and we didn't have Tom available to us, which was which was another little thing that was a little bit concerning. So ended up being Sam, you know, obviously halfway through that third quarter going back. But you know, the game and the momentum had shifted at that point. I thought we were able to hold up reasonably well through the second quarter, but it was mainly on the back of stoppage and, and territory that we were able to do that. But under pressure, we, we didn't quite go as well behind the ball. So last one on Melbourne before we head to the break. On that, Stephen May out with the concussion yesterday. Uh, Tom McDonald not playing. Harrison Petty was a bit sore in the game. They matched up on in, in, in the forward line. They, they marked up well on Ben Brown and kept him quiet. Sam Wiedemann was thrown around in an attempt to try and plug those holes. Um, and Ed Langdon out with that, uh, with that injury as well. There's a few... They've been blessed, Melbourne, the last two years with injuries. They haven't really had too many major ones. Tomlinson was the only one last year, and they covered that instantly with Harrison Petty. Now that Melbourne is starting to feel the pinch of injuries, is this, uh, is this where... I guess is this where their maybe their soft underbelly gets exposed? Now, is it a soft underbelly? I think they're not not much different to every other team. You, see, you lose three or four or five of your best players that you're going to be exposed. It doesn't matter whether you're the top of the tree or the bottom of the tree. It's you know it's hard to cover really good quality players. And Stephen May is a quality player. And you mentioned Langdon and these guys. I mean they're very important to Melbourne. Go through the last few, few premiers. You know, so Melbourne obviously. You know, you look at Richmond and these sort of teams. Everyone that's won the flag in the last three or four years, five years, have had a great run with injuries. Yeah. They've, had a, they've been able to manage their list injury-wise. They've had a great off-field sort of setup where you bring one, you lose one, you bring one in, and they're all super fit. Uh, the only one I can think of that had a poor run with injuries and, but got them all back in the finals was Bulldogs back in 16 where they got everyone back. Remember – they had that West, Coast had a, West Coast had a few in 2018. They had Nat Nui out. They had Nat Nui and Gaff. That was it. And Gaff, yeah. That was it. But they're, they're, don't worry, they're big players. Mm. But the rest of their squad was really healthy. So, I mean, Melbourne had, you know, every team's had one or two that miss out. That's always the case. But in a general sense, they've kept their, they've been able to keep most of their good players on the ground week in, week out. Yeah. But you look at their VFL, their VFL's undefeated, I think, still, Melbourne. Well, they were up until yesterday. Yeah, I think they're still on top of the ladder. Yeah. We're in the top, top three, at yeah. least. No, no, they were, they were undefeated in my, I think, last week. But So they've got a good squad. They've put together a terrific squad of players. So all of a sudden, if you lose three and four and five of your best players, well, then you are exposed. And all of a sudden, these guys that come in when Melbourne are winning by 10 goals, everyone looks a million dollars. Oh, geez, how's he not getting a game? Well, it's a lot harder when there's four or five of them. So the Demons... I know, look, like, handsome Ben Lyon in there will be having a bit of a, you know, it's a loss we needed to have and all this sort of stuff, you know, who's our producer of our show here today. But, you know, here, here we're thinking it's, uh, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. You don't want to lose. No one's trying to lose a game of footy. I think Melbourne uh, will bounce back very, very strongly, and I think it, it, it might be a little shake-up for them. Have they got the depth to cover? Yeah, they have. I reckon they can still win the flag. <laughs> Crushed. <laughs> yeah, thanks, cr- thanks, Zipper. Yeah, I think Sunday they can crunch. too. Uh, look, I'm going out to limb with you. I think they can still win the flag, yes. <laughs> crunch time here for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. And for South Australia, Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. We'll come back on the other side of this and we'll speak to Corey Enright from the Saints. That's next. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com.
You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Jordan Canellis and Liam Pickering with you. We'll have Corey Enright in just a few moments down on the boundary, the defensive assistant coach for the Saints. Um, the uh, Brisbane Giants game yesterday, Pickers. We have a bit of time to chat about this before we get to, uh, to Corey. But uh, the Giants yesterday looked a little better. They started really well, but they've, uh, they've been okay in the, in the, the couple of games. Well, yes, last week was a, was a win, as most teams do against the Eagles, but uh, against a, a, a more fancied opponent against Brisbane. Not bad. Got within 14 points. They were uh, overrun in the middle quarters, but uh, brought the margin back in at the end. Isn't it sad when, you, when we actually are saying things like, well, as expected against the West Coast? I mean, this is a powerful, mighty club that won a flag less than four years ago. And we're just talking like they're also Rens, like they're a team that everyone's expected to beat by 100 points. They were good last week. But the, yeah, that West Coast, you're right, were weak, were poor. You know, half the first half was insipid. Uh, yesterday, they bought intensity from the get-go. Now, Toby Green being on early in the match really helps. He was on against West Coast. He kicked the first two goals and away he went. Then he sort of drifted out of it a bit. Same yesterday. Look, Brisbane are a genuine team. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the Giants have got the talent on their list to be really competitive against anybody when they've got the right attitude. And unfortunately for Brisbane, sometimes they don't bring the right attitude. Sorry, yeah, I've got GWS, I should say. Sometimes they look like they're not there. I think at least over the last, you know, obviously yesterday and the week before, I mean, McVeigh's got them playing with some sort of spirit. They had uh, combined 14 goals, two in the first quarter, which is the highest first quarter score in the in the 18-team era, the last 10 years. Makes a big difference when you kick straight, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, three-quarter time, Giants at 12 goals, two by three-quarter time. You're in the game still. And that, that's what I said. I mentioned it yesterday, yesterday with, the, with the Crows. I mean, they missed four or five easy shots in the first quarter. It makes a huge difference. So Giants kick straight. Brisbane weren't quite at the top of their game in the first sort of two and a half quarters, but when the game was on the line, they were too strong, and as you'd expect them to be, because they're up near the top. Lockie Neal had 39 touches, two goals. It feels like he's having a great season. It doesn't feel like we're kind of talking about him uh, in Brownlow medal uh, contention as strongly as he has in the past, and certainly not as strongly as other players this season, but he has to be right up there again this year. Well, they've lost two games for the year. They've won nine games. He's got to have maximum votes in at least half of them. I would say more. Uh, he has had a fantastic season. He's miles out in front in the uh, in the Herald Sun Award. Um, 19 votes. Cripps is next on 15. Now, in my view, Cripps, Neil, Oliver are the three that, to me, look clearly the best three midfielders in the competition. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, he's having a wonderful season. And his Brownlow season, how many votes did he get in his Brownlow year? He must have got mid-20s, was it? Anyway, that's a test for that's a test for Hanson Ben at the back, but I would think he's on he's on track for somewhere up around eighteen or twenty votes already in the season he's had so far. So you would think, I mean, I know that the votes are getting higher and higher, but you would think if you're talking individual awards, the Brownlow, he'd be somewhere by the end of the season around that thirty vote mark, and that should give you a good chance to win. In his Brownlow Medal year, Lockie Neal, he, uh, he won it in 2020 twenty at thirty one votes, yeah, and was... one by one by ten, one by ten, spoke. yeah, ten. <laughs> Well, he won't be winning by 10 because I reckon Cripps is up around that mark as well. And I'd be surprised if Petraka and Oliver aren't somewhere up in the high, high teens already. So, yeah, we've got some dominant midfielders at the moment that are just ripping this competition apart, in my view. And, and Neil's one of them. That's he's actually a be- Brown, like- Do you know what? He's a, he's a much better player now than he was two years ago. Like Neil? Yeah, I think so. I think this year has been the best football I've ever seen him play. Because he's getting more heat on him and he's finding ways to deal with it. I'm not so yeah. sure he did back then. I think he was a great player, 
Uh, I'm not sure that he, he, he had the weapons that he's got now to be able to, when someone wants to sit on him, and they do for periods. They don't normally do it for the whole game, but they sit on him for a quarter or two. I think he's got weapons now in his game that has made him, you know, one of the elite players, you know, if not in the best couple in the competition in, in the midfield sense anyway. That's a, that Brownlow medal was, uh, the, the, the votes fell away quickly. So he had 31 votes in first position. Travis spoke 21 votes. Uh, Petraka and Steele finished equal third on 20. And then uh, there was a, a group of players on 15 votes equal fifth. So from first to uh, to fifth, Blocky Neal doubled the amount of votes that the fifth place getters all had. Yeah, well, there you go. And, and well, give us last year's, while we're at it, give us last year's votes because it was a lot closer and a lot higher votes last year. There was a heap up high 20s, early 30s, I reckon. The it last was Ollie Wines, 36, Marcus Bontempelli, 33, Clayton Oliver, 31. So that's what yeah, I'm expecting. Yeah, I'm expecting that this year, Zipper. I'm expecting that this year with the likes of Petraka, in particular Oliver, and Cripps. I think they're going to be around that high mark sort of number. We have a couple of minutes before our final break of the hour, but it gives us a couple of minutes to have a chat to Corey Enright, who's down on the boundary this afternoon, the defensive assistant coach from the Saints. Corey, welcome to Crunch Time. How are you? Yeah, going well. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Your, uh, your start to the season has been uh, started really well. The last couple of games, you've had uh, two losses followed by two wins and a couple of uh, cagey, plucky wins as well in the last couple, which has shown uh, great metal from the side. How do you uh, sort of encapsulate the last month of football from the Saints? Yeah, it's obviously um, been a bit of a test for us. We've had some games away um, and uh, come against some really quality opposition. So, um, and, and for us to be able to find ways to win when perhaps we're not playing at our um, best football is a sign that um, a, bit, a little bit of maturity in our group. So, yeah, um, I guess the last couple of weeks to be able to get over get over the line and uh, get the win uh, is probably the most important thing at this time of year. Hey, Boris, there's been a bit of uh, there's been a fair bit of talk about North Melbourne this week. I'm, sure, I'm assuming you're across it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the messaging been? Because, you know, everyone's expecting oh, a big response from North Melbourne this afternoon. You guys are going great. What's what's been the messaging internally? All right, let's let's do a bit what we're, what we're doing. Worry about our stuff. Don't worry about what's happening at North Melbourne. How we how we handle it? Yeah, it's a tricky one. We've all been around footy long enough to know that you're probably going to get some sort of response um, from the opposition. So you've got to acknowledge that, but also, yeah, in, internally make sure that um, our players are well equipped and well understand that um, no matter what opposition we play, as long as we sort of play towards our best, and then we'll give ourselves the best chance. So. Um, yeah, a little bit of an eye on the opposition and what they've sort of encountered the last um, seven days, but also making sure that we are fully prepared and, and um, you know, focused as much as we can on us. The, the challenges over the last couple of games, I think you've been super impressive. You know, that game against Geelong where the Cats were sort of looking like they were doing it pretty easily and then you put the foot down in the third quarter. And even last week, I, I thought Adelaide were, I thought they were terrific, actually. Uh, you guys just found a way to beat them. So that must be the real positive you take out of it that, they haven't been a walk in the park the last two games. You've found a way, different ways to win too. Yeah, spot on. And, and I think that's um, – we have we have won games differently across the season. So um, – and also for us, just having the belief that, you know, if things aren't going our way, our ability to turn it around and, and if we stick stick in there and stick to the process. And, um, yeah, we, we've shown that we can score heavily quickly. So, again, that just installed some belief in, in the playing group that um, no matter how the game's going, that we can actually get our game, game going at some stage that um, we'll be okay. Corey, you're in charge of the back line. You've got the number three ranked defence in the league this season, so it's been a great uh, great season statistically for you, keeping opposition down to low scores. Who have been the, the one or two players that you've got in your cohort that you've been most impressed with at how quickly they've picked up their defensive duties this season? 
Um, well, they've been re working really well as a unit, as a collective, and that's probably what you need to do these days. Um, yeah, just to be able to work together um, and make sure that they understand each other really well. And um, yeah, we've had some obviously key players within that. Um, Callum Wilkie's last month, but his whole year in particular, he, he's he's been really influential for us. And Jack Sinclair. And Bradley Hill um, off the halfback flanks have been um, have had pretty strong, consistent years as well. So um, the, the, the group's working well together, uh, understanding each other and um, how hard hard it is to to play against these quality forwards. Corey, good luck for the match today. Thank you very much, Corey Enright, the assistant coach of St Kilda, taking charge of the defence. Crunch time for South Australia. Rewards wonder. Visit South Australia. Com. Jordan Canellis and Liam Pickering with you. We've got Cam Rayner coming up after this. We'll have a chat to Jordan Russell as well, assistant coach at North Melbourne. One more hour of crunch time on the way. That's next. Welcome to Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu. Go your own way with the three-litre Isuzu D-Max and extraordinary seven-seat MUX. Crunch time here on a Sunday afternoon for Marvel at Marvel Stadium for the St Kilda North Melbourne game. The pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Jordan Canellis and uh, Liam Pickering with you. The results from this week in footy so far. Friday night was uh, one of the games of, uh, probably one of the games of the season. Uh, the Sydney Swans getting up by a goal over the Tigers. Yesterday's group of games, Brisbane beating the Giants by 14 points, 110 to 96. The Cats, 97-55 to 55 over Adelaide, winning by 42 points. The Twilight game yesterday, Fremantle getting the job done at the MCG over Melbourne. Uh, 7-14-56 Melbourne to Fremantle, 14-10-94. A 38-point win for the Dockers, snapping their own two-game losing streak. But uh, more prominently, Melbourne's 17-game winning streak comes to an end. And last night's match is West Coast, 60, losing to the Dogs, 161. That's a 101-point win for the Western Bulldogs last night out in the West. And Gold Coast had the uh, had the uh, choppets over Hawthorne by 67 points, 121-54. to 54. Today's three games, St Kilda and North Melbourne with the opening bounce just over an hour away. Collingwood and Carlton at the MCG today. We're expecting a, a big crowd at the G. 78,945, I think, was the, um, the figure that Liam Pickering threw out there. And Port Adelaide against Essendon is the twilight game at the Adelaide Hoval. Pickers, welcome back. Uh, good to be here again, Zip, and the new audience that's listening. Yeah, it's 78,943 people there this afternoon, I believe. See how close I am. Nearest... Doc too? <laughs> I think I said 43, didn't I? Uh, yeah, I think there'll be a big crowd. It's, it's a great day in Melbourne for 40. There, there's no wind. Uh, and if you've got no school, take away the school. Sorry, school, I keep saying. The, the junior football and stuff. If you're just a Collingwood or a rusted on Collingwood or Carlton fan, or you just love AFL footy, I've got a mate that's going today who's taking his son because he wants to go to a non-Richmond game because it's a great yeah. experience, you know. So go along and have a look. The Blues are playing unbelievably good footy, and the Pies are a very underrated team. Very well-coached team. I don't, I don't go to many games of footy as a neutral, as a neutral fan. Who do you actually support, um, by the way? Who are you? Who do you follow? Your Hawks. Hawks, yeah, you had a good night last night. Hawthorne fan. No. no. <laughs> Steve Quartermain was all right. You were worried about the A-League <laughs> last night. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a great – it'll be a good game of footy. And I think, you know, in a perfect afternoon in Melbourne, why wouldn't you go along and watch exciting teams? I mean, they've got exciting footballers. I mean, 
I think there'll be a, a massive battle this afternoon. I think Moore versus Kurnow will be one to really watch. I think that'll be a brilliant yep. battle. Yeah, this would, this would be a game I'd seriously consider going to as a neutral fan. Do you go to many neutral games? Not as, a, not, 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 as a, not as a general rule, Zip. No, I, I don't, but only because we, we do so much footy. I, I tend to, I, but I will be watching every kick of it. I'll be, I'll be home yep. this afternoon having a really good look at whether Carlton and Collingwood, are, you know, which one of them are really genuine. Because today's a genuine test. Are Collingwood going to you know, elevate themselves into that top eight team and the discussion around the top eight? And are Carlton really a genuine premiership threat? Mm. I think they might be. I think they've got the weapons to be. Harry Mackay out sort of hurts a little bit, but, you know, they, they were terrific again last week. They're, fi- they're finding ways to win, Carlton, which I think, which they haven't been able to do over the last few years. How, how deep can they go in the finals? Or how many wins would be like a pass mark this season for Carlton in the finals? Oh, look, I'm not one of these people that think that they have to win a final. I mean, what the hell does that matter? Whether you win a final or you win two finals. You, you really want to win them all. So I always laugh when people go, oh, Essendon haven't won a final since, you know, whatever, 7,000 days or whatever the hell it is. What's it matter if they win one final? What's it matter? You don't have to win a final. But you've got to be competitive when you get to the finals. I think Carlton have got a squad that can be really competitive this afternoon and they can be really competitive going into the finals themselves. And I think, Owen, if I'm Carlton, I'm not, I'm not a Carlton fan. I know they've been ordinary for a long time, but if, if I'm a Carlton fan, I'm thinking, no, we, we can genuinely win it. Carlton aren't a side. This is a, this is a club when I grew up that expected to win finals. They don't hope that they can win a final. Like Essendon, they don't ex- when I was growing up and playing against Essendon, they were... They weren't a side that hoped that they could win a final. They were, they expected and demanded to win finals. This thing that I always hear about, oh, they, they have to win a final. I don't even know what that means. I think it's a just final. expectation, well, and I guess pe- pe- I think for the for the long for the long term ones, like the really long term ones, like Essendon, who haven't won a final in in so many years, um, that's more of just a. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of just. It's the stigma. Like Essendon fans just want to win a final because they haven't won a final in that long. But when you have when you have clumps of, of eras, so when you have a, a team like the, Brisbane right now, are, for example. Yeah, but hang on, Zip. They, these are the these are teams that have dined out on winning the most premierships. What the hell does winning a final mean? You go back to when Carlton were a powerhouse. But you when, can also say the same for premierships. So yes, you've got you've got sixteen premierships in your trophy cabinet, but what do those premierships matter now when you've when People are focusing on 2022, not what's happened in no, I 1983. I understand that, but it's, it's the tra- changing of the mindset of your, of your whole group. That was a, so these are two teams, Eston and Carlton, that demanded and expected to win premierships. What now we're just going to accept a, a winning a final? That's not how they operate. And I think if, you, if your mindset has been conditioned to... Look, I, as an example, I don't expect Geelong to win a final. I expect Geelong to win multiple finals and make grand finals and win premierships. That's what I expect. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, obviously. Richmond went from a mindset of, oh, well, they haven't been in the finals for so long, and they're ninth and all this stuff. They don't expect to win a final now. They expect to win the premiership. I just think it's a mindset change for these once powerful clubs. Um, but that's only, that's only natural. Like, when, when the drought is so long, any drop of water will satisfy, right? Really? No, well, it doesn't for me, but it might for you. I don't know. You set your bar a bit higher, maybe. I don't know. I don't. I just think if you've got the team that Carlton have got, a powerful team that they've got on the ground at the moment, a squad that they've got. Yeah, they're lacking a ruckman. That's that's a bit of a concern, and they'll get Mackay back, and they're probably one key defender short. But why can't they win the flag? Like that, that's how I would be thinking if I'm a Carlton fan. Not this yeah. satisfied because oh we're we're going okay, but we you know, I mean 
that's not how you should think, in my view. I think I think when you have yeah, so with I I understand what you're saying with with that one. So teams who who once did and, and now haven't, and that mentality. I think on a on a slightly different but similar uh, tangent is when you have a group who, and I want to use Brisbane again as the example. Mm-hmm. When you have a, a group like them who have had. So it's sort of era by era. So this era of Brisbane, they've had three years now of being a good, or four four years of being a good team, um, but they haven't won, or they've won one of the last seven finals games. And now it's like, well, how good are they when they can do it in the regular season, the home and away games, they can Mm. win matches there. But when the intensity lifts and the stakes are higher in the finals, they... They, they go to water. So what's happening there? That's where the questions yeah, and I think that's, and that's gen- why that's where the expectation comes from. But I think that's genuine with Brisbane. But Brisbane will be winning finals this year. Don't worry about that. They're winning finals this so. year. I want them to. I they will them. they will be. They will be winning. They yeah, and there was no real excuses for the way they bombed out the last two years. I think they were they were a bit ordinary in the finals, but this is a different team in my view. They're they're a much better team now. And I expect I expect them to win finals. And I've got Brisbane supporters, um, mates of mine. I've also got a bit of a question mark on them in finals. And you can easily wind them up. I wind these bucks up all the time. I'll win a couple of finals and let us know, will you? Yeah, this sort of thing. But I know they will win finals this year because they're a genuine football team. Yeah, I know. Well, you know Melbourne will win finals. But up until last year, you didn't. No one was, no one was convinced on Melbourne going into the finals last year, even though they were playing good footy. Until you do it. And once you do it, then you expect to do it more. And so that's what might happen with Carlton this year. They'll get in there. They'll win the first final, in my view. They'll make the finals, they'll win the first final, and then there will be the Carlton expectation of the 90s and 80s. That, right, we, we're going to be doing this every week. And they should be. They've had that many first-round draft picks. They should be a genuine team. I think people almost, until the final series, I feel, I was puzzled by how people were, because you, you were right, Melbourne, they weren't, people were sort of sleeping on them a little bit. Oh, I was. Which completely, they, that, that befuddled me because they were the best team all season long. They were, and it was funny because... Because of their history, we had this uh, this thing in our head last year, they'll fall <laughs> apart in the finals. And they yeah. didn't. If you really want to look at the, the, the composition of their list, they had to win. Like, look at Melbourne's key players at the key part of their – they're in their peak form. They're the, the, the peak age. And, they're, uh, and, of course, they were going to win. They've got the best ruckman in the competition, best probably leader in the competition, followed by a group of midfielders that were just red hot – and a system and a belief that they look like the Premiers all year. Yet they get to the grand final day and 10 minutes to go in the third quarter, they're trailing by a bit. They win yeah. by 70, yeah. they won by 74. Like, I mean, it's nuts when you look now and you go, oh, geez, Melbourne, they actually won that. That must have been a bit of a one-sided game. It wasn't. Three minutes to go before three-quarter time, they were trailing. They won by 12 I watched, goals. I watched that documentary on the AFL website where they do after at, at the end of every grand final the um, oh what's it called I can't remember not now the, but not it's the season that was fi- <laughs> no 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 it's uh, what's it called final siren or something like that where they do the uh, yep. the coaches they have, they have yeah, the coaches yeah, yep. mic'd up and yep. they 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 look at them in in the box and just watching the game again through that documentary um, I've, yeah I forgot how how sort of far behind they actually were in that game they were, oh no that, that guy, I actually was I watched it live obviously but then. I watched it the next day and I was actually messaging their list manager to say, oh, you've, it's your premiership. You know, they're just having a bit of a laugh with him. And the game was on and I'm thinking, that must be half time. You know, because I'd forgotten. It was two more, three minutes before three-quarter time. They were trailing and they won yeah. by 74. But going into last season, who had the most pressure on him in the competition as a coach? Simon Goodwin. 
Correct. Him and Ken yeah. Hickley were probably the two that had the most pressure on him. Ken Hickley gets them to a prelim. Yes, they were poor in the prelim, but and Simon Goodwin wins the flag and now looks like a genius. Like mm. it's amazing how this guy, this circle, it turns and it'll turn for West Coast. Hopefully, it'll turn for North. It'll turn for Essendon. I guarantee Essendon will turn. That, I don't know what's missing at Essendon, but they've got a very talented young list. Give them two or three years; they're going to be a good team. Yeah, the, the, the wheel cycles over for every team. It sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes it takes a couple of decades. Sometimes it takes fifty years, but it does turn around eventually, and you get, you do get back to the top eventually. Again. Eventually, yeah, it does. Yes, yeah, so there's a few sitting in no man's land at the moment, in my view. But yeah, it's in, personally, I think West Coast will turn it around, and as I said, I know Eston will. You look at their list; the Eston will turn it around. I mean, Eston fans are you know they're all you know disappointed and disillusioned at the moment, but they have got their kids that they drafted are good. They're yeah, really I- good. I agree, but I think they're – so we were talking about Fremantle in the previous hour and looking at their, their age profile, their squad profile, positional profile with players. I don't think Essendon's – I think the, the age profile is there for sure because they've got young players, but I don't think the overall squad profile – It's the middle. It's the middle group. Yeah, the middle yeah. group. They lack leadership. They, they, they lack leadership, Essendon. That's why they're going like and they even are. just even just positional, there's, there's, there's gaps in that team. Yep. Go, well, they, they need a player there. They need a player there. They need a full back. They need another full forward to go along with Peter Wright. It's amazing, there's still, isn't it? There's still bits there that need to be filled out. But they can do – if they recruit well, they can fill those positions in two years and that squad that squad will instantly look like it's at the right age with the right players in the right positions and in two or three years. It can, it can turn that quickly. What it did for, Carlton, for other teams. Yeah, Carlton. Well, what, yeah. what did they do? They went and recruited two players. Really? Last year. Two players. Yeah. Hewitt and Chera. Chera. How much better they, they, does their midfield – it helps with Cripps being fully fit – but, like, how much better they look now? They look like they've got a depth of midfield that's equivalent to anybody in the competition. So it can change quickly. Again, with Carlton, it helps when you're in one draft, you pick up the best and a half back in the game in yeah. Wiedering. You pick up the two of the best, most exciting young forwards in the game in Kurnow and Mackay. And remember, Kurnow only played, like, three or four games late last year when he came off that long, long injury run. He had a bad run, but... Yeah, that's a genuine, powerful forward line when you've got those two big boys there. You know, and you've got Sam Walsh, who's serious, a serious footballer. So, I mean, look, there's a, I love, look, you know, I love what Carlton are doing. I think they're, you know, there's a bit of arrogance about him again. Geez, Heath Buck, I mean, he doesn't shut up on that bloody Twitter. <laughs> oh, Bucky, oh, Bucky. He's actually, <laughs> I, I know Bucky well. I wish to work with him, but... Bucky, he's, he's got this Carlton crew, the My Blue Heaven crew. They're all, I don't know if you follow it. It's hilarious, really. But he's commenting on everything. Yeah, he gets Mark Elvey on there. They're all the crew that, that get on. I love it. I think it's hilarious. But, you know, I think the Blues are starting to get a little bit of that chirp back, which which is good for footy, in my view. That's why I'm so much looking forward to this game this afternoon because oh, the Pies. The chirp today. Oh, the Pies <laughs> oh fans goodness. will be ready to roll as well. And I, actually, I, I don't think they're too bad either, Collingwood. Come armed with your best one-liners if you go into the footy today. Oh, the imagine, the that, imagine the in, false in the teeth there today. The it's, it's Feral City <laughs> this afternoon, but uh, good on them. Uh, there's nothing better than when you've got big – I mean, no, this is a bias. We're going across the country, but this is a biased Melbourne thing. But Carlton and Collingwood are genuine big clubs. Like oh, they're look, re- they're look, real big footy clubs. So this will yeah. be this will be a belter this afternoon. The footy world is is fanging for this match. As much as you might hate those two sides, depending on what side of the fence you sit on or, or who you support, <laughs> um, <laughs> you still want to watch this game. I, well, I find them both really watchable. That's the other thing. Collingwood, I don't think. Look, and this is no knock on the last coaching crew, but 
I don't think they were a very watchable side the last couple of years. You know, I just think that their style and maybe that they just lacked a bit of confidence or whatever it may be. But they are playing a much better style of football now. And Carlton oh. are playing a genuinely good style of football. I, I recall calling games of Collingwood last year where they Storm were... fests, weren't they? They, they, and they, were, they were also reluctant to just move the ball forward and play with any adventure. And yeah. you could hear the Collingwood fans in the crowd get incensed at their team and at just their, their lack of dare. Yeah. And they'd pass the ball sideways and backwards and, and Collingwood fans would be up out of their seats and they'd be fuming at, at their team. That's not the case this year. No, it's, it's not. And yeah, you know, hence why... I mean, they've only won five games. Look, they're... <laughs> They're not exactly shooting the lights out, but that win against Fremantle last night, last week, sorry, when considering what Fremantle came out and did yesterday, that's a super win. But Collingwood, have, mm. I think Collingwood are the best player, the best team I've seen that play in Perth. The best visiting team that go to Perth. They always play well there. They always have. So um, yeah. I wasn't overly surprised they won last yeah, they week. Yeah, had those, had those wins against West Coast a few years ago. Yeah, that, that's what they did. Like, they've always been a good team on the road, Collingwood, for some reason. It was funny, as an opposition, like as a player, I found Collingwood one of the hardest teams to play against. Didn't matter how bad they were or how good we were, they were always hard to beat. Yeah, Essendon were a bit the same. Always hard to beat. Didn't matter where you played them, you thought, oh, they're near the bottom. Oh, it's going to be a tough day, though. It's Collingwood or it's Essendon. You know, you'd, there are other teams you'd run out of and go, well, well, we get on top of these guys and we'll put them to sleep. But now Collingwood and Essendon, I always found really, really difficult oppositions. How many teams do you think are a genuine crack for the top four? Who's who? Who do you reckon makes it, and who might just miss out? Because you said Carlton well, win that you first made the final. Big... They could fin- they could finish fourth and play Melbourne in the first week of the finals. Well, it's not ideal to cop Melbourne first up, <laughs> but you know what? I'd rather have that double chance. So, look, I mean, you you were the one that went. Look, to be fair, Zipper, and I don't want to you know harp on this, but you were the one that came out earlier today and said that you believe My call of the season. You believe. Melbourne can still win the flag. So, I mean, that's I think a huge... <laughs> All right, let's put it this way. I think there are the, the top four teams, in my opinion, uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, Carlton, Geelong. That's my top four. Melbourne, Brisbane, Carlton, Geelong. So yeah. you're dropping Fremantle out. I think Freo will drop out of the top four. And then where the real fight is, is who makes way for Richmond to make the eight or Collingwood? Because Bulldogs have now got their hooters in there. They got their they got their noses in. Uh, the Saints are playing well enough. I don't. I can't see them going out now. They'll win today, and they'll be seven wins or eight wins. So I think they only need to win another four. They've got a good percentage. Um, so it's going to be Richmond and the Mutts. They're the two that look, look like they're <laughs> potentially going to fight it out for that spot in the eight. And Rich, I think both of them are good teams. Don't get me wrong. I think they are. They just they've got themselves a little bit of a hole. They've dug themselves a bit of a hole with you know a win behind you know fifth. Uh, but both percentages are okay. So that's where Gold Coast and Collingwood and Port Adelaide and that are, are a fair way behind. They're, you're 20% behind and again. It's a lot to make I, up. I like Fremantle. I've been on, I've been sort of riding this Fremantle wave for a little bit. I've just wanting, wanting to hope, hoping for them to do well. They've fallen away a little bit uh, in the last couple of years, but they've picked it back up this season. So I, I want them to finish in the top four. Um, that's just my. I'm not, I'm not a Fremantle supporter. I just like them as a as a team. So, do you think they'll make the top four? I think they will. Okay, and give I us think, your top four. I think Melbourne, Brisbane, Frio, and I reckon just because of their run home that Geelong will make it because they've got West Coast twice. They've got North Melbourne. They've got five games at Kidinya Park. Okay, that'll, well that'll, that'll set them up. You nicely say you think Carlton missed the top eight? 
They win today. They'll be one game off top, top, top four. They'll finish. They'll finish off fifth. top four. I mean, sorry, yeah, yeah. They'll finish fifth. Okay. Uh, well, it's it's not much between. As much, them. As, I, as much as I like barracking for the story as well, but Carlton. I mean, Carlton will make. Well, they're making the eight. Finals, That's and they'll a go, they'll go. They'll go. Maybe at least to semi-finals. They'll get to at least. They'll win the first way. I agree with you. They'll win the elimination. If well, they finish fifth, oh, they will. if they get a game in Melbourne, if they get a game in Melbourne with that crowd behind them. Like they're nuts. Like that, that gives them such a lift when they've got the you know the big crowds there at their home deck. I, I think they're a, they're a good side. A couple of North Melbourne players here at Marvel Stadium are making their way out onto the fields. A couple of the leaders are out there. I see Jack Zebel running along the uh, near edge of the centre square. So with uh, them as our backdrop here at Marvel Stadium, what uh, better way to chat about North Melbourne than with uh, one of theirs from the coaching staff? Jordan Russell is the midfield coach. He's with us here on Crunch Time. Jordan, welcome. Good afternoon. How are you feeling? Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're feeling good. Um, another another round's rolling by, and um, we've had a really good good week on the track with the boys, um, albeit everything else that's going on externally. Uh, the training level's been been fantastic, and uh, we're ready to roll. How has the uh, the off-field stuff maybe affected the, the players and the, the coaching group yourselves? Has it sort of occupied the mind a bit frustratingly this week? Not really, to be honest. I mean, I think if you, you've been involved in footy for a little bit, you, you know the, the cliche line of it. It doesn't really bother us. It actually hasn't because what it's done is, is galvanise us together and we've been able to focus on the things that we want to put in and, and control, which is our training standards, and, and that's been a real big focus for us in the last sort of four to six weeks. And we've been, had a great week on the track. So, um, to be honest, it hasn't really bothered bothered anyone. Um, obviously, Nobs has had a fair bit going on, but the support for him from the boys and, and the staff has been unreal. And uh, we're looking forward to having a crack at the Saints today. Yeah, and you will with your captain, Jordan. Uh, Jack Zebel, who's been such a warrior for your footy club. He spoke magnificently. He's led from the front for, well, a dozen years or whatever it is now, a bit more. Uh, 250 games, a fantastic achievement. That should give you a bit of a lift. Definitely. I think uh, playing against him a long time ago and then obviously being involved with him, seeing him internally, he's a great warrior. Um, he's a fantastic shin boner and we sat down in our meeting yesterday and there was about 15 minutes worth of videos from past players and staff and it's amazing. The impact he's had on the group is, has been outstanding for a long time, as you said. So were you gonna How much is that? Sorry, you go, Jordan. You go, Pickers. No, no, I was just going to say, Jordan, that the key to when you've had so much pressure on you externally in a game like this, is to come out with intent. Now, it's easy to say because we expect everyone to do it every week, but today is a day where you expect, I would imagine, you would expect from the very first bounce a physical you know, attack on the footy. Spot on. And that's all we've been focusing on this this week. And I think that the belief in the boys is growing. Obviously, playing the Premiers last week, last week we had three really good quarters. Um, that we can hang our hats on, and then we're aiming for four this week. And it, as as you know, it starts at the very first mm. bounce with our midfield group, and um, the boys are ready. You labelled Jack Zebel as a shinboner before. How much does that shinboner tag still get? Uh, um, that that shinboner culture, really. How much is that still spoken about at the club? Because it was obviously very prominent during the the 90s and early 2000s. But does it has it carried through to this era of players as well? Yeah, it has. I'm, I'm, I've only been at the club for sort of eight eight months, and and Nobs is really big on on the history and, and the past of, and celebrating the past of the, of the footy club. So we have a, a weekly shinboner of the week. Um, we have a, a historian, Greg Ryan, come in and talk about a past shinboner every week. So 
that spirit is, is well and truly alive and, and the boys um, love getting behind it and, and trying to make it grow in, in their special way and in their time and, and era within the, the footy club. I'll tell you what, I played there for five years, uh, Geordie. I, I never even heard the word Chinbana when I was there, so it's only been a recent thing. <laughs> hey, um, Max King is such a, crew, such a big, big target and yeah, it's going to be a massive effort. He kicked brilliantly last week against Adelaide. Tactics today with Big Max because he is a hard matchup. He is. Um, I don't think one man can do it. So we're, we're relying on sort of the back six and our wings to get back and support defensively. As you said, he, he gets a, whenever he gets a shot on goal, he's, he's pretty deadly. So trying to minimise his impact early, um, try and bring that ball to ground through weight of numbers is obviously going to be the key this week. You're in charge of the midfields, uh, Jordan. You had a couple of uh, key return, uh, returning players last week with Jai Simkin and Jason Horn-Francis back into the team. How much did that... Uh, how, how far along did that help you guys against uh, Melbourne, where you were competitive for most of the game and, and continue into this week as well? Yeah, well, they got a hold of us in the clearances across the ground. So um, in terms of what we're, we're paid to do and, and trying to em- emulate every week, it didn't quite go the way we wanted it to. Obviously, them being a, a strong midfield and St Kilda are, are uh, pretty good between the arcs and centre-bound side as well. So we need our guys to come with a really strong intent, um, physical nature to be able to combat at the start and then use their strengths and their weapons on the outside to, uh, to get it in our favour. So it's a really good challenge and it is every week and, um, and we're looking forward to seeing how they go today. How's Jason Horn francis sandling his footy this season? Aside from all of the talk off-field about contracts and the rest, just his first season as a debut player, uh, number one draft pick, how have, you, how have you assessed him so far? Yeah, he's to be honest, he's been unbelievable in regards to the way that he attacks the game. Um, he's obviously learning so much about himself and uh, as a person as well as a player in, in this first sort of six months, but what he can do, you guys have seen the snippets of his contested ball winning ability and how he can explode away from a contest. It's just about consistency, so finding the, the gap between his best and worst and trying to minimise that through through each quarter. Um, he's getting better every week and you've seen even when he goes forward, he's able to impact either hitting the scoreboard or he's tackling pressure. So he's gone along exactly the way we, we'd hoped and um, and his energy is infectious. So um, I'm sure we'll have a good game today. Jordan, good luck to your boys today. Hopefully uh, second win of the season is uh, not far away. Appreciate that, guys. Have a good one. Jordan Russell, the midfield assistant coach at North Melbourne, mm. ahead of their clash today against the Saints, Pickers. Yeah, it's good. It was good. It was interesting, wasn't it? His response to the to the aggression at the start. I, they're coming out with it. They're coming out with a serious attack on the footy. I think at the start of this game. So, Saints would want to be aware because uh, they're going to put some serious heat on early. I believe. Going by what Absolutely. he just said, then. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Since uh, round five, they've trailed by an average of twenty five points at quarter time which is uh, the 18th ranked in the league. So first quarter starts is big for North Melbourne and uh, everyone will be judging them on that today. Crunch time returns after this. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Welcome back to Crunch Time, the pre-game show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, Jordan Canellis and Liam Pickering with you this afternoon in the lead-up to St Kilda and North Melbourne. Matt Hill and Kane Corns will be part of our commentary team for this game on AFL Nation. No late changes for either side. The medical subs have been confirmed. St Kilda will have Ryan Burns wearing the vests and North Melbourne 
We'll have the small forward Jack Marnie as their medical sub today. We'll have a chat to Cam Rayner in a couple of minutes as well from the victorious Brisbane Lions last night, yesterday afternoon against the Giants. Uh, last night, though, Pickers, the Gold Coast Suns had a good win against Hawthorne uh, by uh, 11 goals, and um, mm. that's their fifth win of the season. So they go to five and six, and as we mentioned briefly off the top of the show, they've picked up some big scalps this year. Carlton, Sydney, Fremantle are amongst them. Yep. Hawthorne, who haven't been that bad this season. West Coast as well back in round one. But this is uh, starting to look like a pretty decent season for the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, it is. It's been their most consistent season for a while. Where They've been competitive in most games, to be honest, and... You know, Hawthorne, no slouches. I mean, they beat Brisbane last week. So, I mean, they've got their home away from home at the moment, two weeks in a row up in Darwin, and they've acclimatised their tricky conditions up there. And oh, I think this was I, was, was... I was actually asking this question last week about why they've got two in a row up there, but I know it's their zone and whatever. But, yeah, I think they can uh, take another scalp next week against North Melbourne and give themselves a chance to be somewhere around the, around the eight. Now, they've uncovered some good players this season, some new names that, that we haven't really seen too much of previously. Malcolm Roses yeah, uh, has well. had a pretty decent season as a small forward. Joel Jeffries stood up in the last two weeks, got the Rising Star nominee last week. And then they've revitalised some players as well, with uh, particularly the two key forwards, Mabby Orchol and Levi Casbolt, who have been just about two of the, <laughs> the, the biggest surprise packets in the whole, uh, across the whole league this season. Big Levi. Hasn't he been a really good in- inclusion? I was actually... Surprised when they went and got him because I thought he might have been finished when he finished at the Blues. But what he's done is he's he's actually given them a target, someone that's going to actually bring the ball to ground if he doesn't mark it. And yeah, his kicking's always been a little bit fluky. You know, it's a little bit uh, bit of a hit and miss sort of job. But he does compete, and that's the one thing I think that he was able able to bring to a team that was pretty easily rebounded against last year. I thought Brisbane, especially when they lost, uh, sorry, the Gold Coast, especially when they lost Ben King early in the year. You would think that it was one of those ones where they need someone to stand up. Charles has been really important. He's been really good. So yep. to get those two guys that aren't your tritty, they're not Harry Mackay and Charlie Curnow. What they are is they're giving them a chance to get the ball to the ground at least. And it doesn't get, you know, you know the slingshot sort of defence that the opposition has been able to do against them for a number of years. It just hasn't gone that way this year, which is really competitive. And it gives them a really good chance because if the game is a contest, they're as good as anybody at the contest. Whenever they make this, whenever they make the game a scrap, and it's a contest, they're really hard to beat because they have got seriously good contested players. So, yeah, they're 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 underrated. They're off Broadway. We know that they haven't had, they haven't done a lot in the in the time they've been in the competition. But yeah, they've they've got some really nice young players. Rankin, I thought really turned the corner against Fremantle a couple of weeks ago, and he's continued on his good form as a small forward. So, yeah, I'm liking what I'm seeing with the, with the Gold Coast. They should have another win next week against North as well. A good day for Queensland footy yesterday with the Suns getting the win in the evening and the Brisbane Lions getting over the top of the Giants at the Gabba by 14 points. And one of the stars of the season so far for Brisbane is Cam Rayner and he's with us here on Crunch Time. Cam, good afternoon. How are you feeling after the win yesterday? Yeah, good. Thanks, fellas. I hope you're doing well. Um, yeah, that no, was good. Um, they are, We knew they were going to throw a lot at us and... Um, we probably didn't um, come out and, and start the way we wanted, but um, the maturity of our group and, you know, we're probably experienced players now that uh, we noticed it and turned it around. It was it was a good response in the second half. And it was a high-scoring first quarter and first half as well. It's one of the highest-scoring first quarters we've had in the last 10 or so years in the, in the AFL. When you get into that sort of shootout mode, especially early in the game, what kind of... 
Um, what kind of mode do you go into? What, what do you, how do you change the way you've, uh, not, not change the way you play, but just the way you handle the intensity, the early intensity of the game? Because it's uh, not all that common. No, nah, well, it's, it's probably not what you want from a defensive um, point of view. Um, they come out and, and keep a lot of goals. In the last few weeks, we've probably um, allowed a few more goals than we normally like. But um, I guess when the game's like that, you need a score. So, um, you know, for us to come back, and I think we kicked six or six goals in the first quarter or seven goals, um, possibly thinking about going defensively. But, um, you know, we need a, a counter at back, and we did that. And then um, in the second and third quarter, I guess, I think they only scored 25 points in um, those two quarters. So we, we got our defensive game on there. Um, it was probably just the first and fourth fourth quarter that we let ourselves down. Cam, how are you uh, How are you feeling yourself? I mean, you had obviously had that injury and you've come back. You look to me like you're getting back to the reina that we saw as a kid. 25 disposals, a goal. What, what's the role they've got you playing and how are you feeling with your body at the moment? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's just confidence. Um, the more games you play and um, the more you can trust your body again, I think. I feel like uh, Eric's going through the same the same situation now, and um, he's got his first couple of weeks under his belt. And he said to me after the game, you know, what does it feel like just kind of get back to it? I was like, it probably takes a month or so to, to kind of get back to your best footy. But um, I feel like my body's in a good spot now, and um, I know what my role is: uh, bounce between mid and forward. And I've got a clear understanding of that, and um, I guess having some clarity around that just really gives me a lot of confidence to go out there and and do what I have to do. So um, it's been good the last couple of weeks to to string some form together and. Hopefully that can continue to the back end of the year. Well, you're a player that they really need. I think you're, you can be the player that can really elevate the Brisbane Lions in the finals. Is it a 50-50 role you've got mid-forward or is it a bit more forward and a little bit less mid? Um, I guess it kind of it kind of changes a little bit. I'll, I'll probably say around 60-40 um, forward and mid. Yeah. And, but, you know, sometimes um, I guess we'll probably lose a little bit of the contest yesterday. So... Um, Fags got me in there and um, just said to try and get as much as you can and get the ball going forward, which I thought I did to a certain degree. But um, it's kind of just all all um, situational. I I feel um, I'm trying to get as much time as I can in there, and I feel like I'm playing some good footy when I'm in there. So um, and the coaches agree with that, which is which is really helpful. So um, the more I can do that, and the more I can have that balance in both my games and being able to play dual positions, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and tell, tell you one person that's not going to be rotating too much out of the midfield. I wouldn't have thought is Lockie Neal, who's having some sort of season. <laughs> yeah, he's um he's back to his best, Lock. Um, I knew I knew he was disappointed last year with how with how we played, and you know he was a little bit injury plagued last year as well. So um, for him to come back and and really put his uh, his foot forward and and really start to carry us as a team, and you know when he's playing good, it's pretty easy to jump on the back of someone like that um, and, and play alongside him. So um, he's a exceptional player and all of us boys are very lucky to have him in our team. How critical has Marcus Adams been to your side this season, coming back into a key role in defence? Had a pretty full season last year as well, played 17-odd games, but that had been sort of his first complete year back, almost complete year back in quite some time. Um, but uh, but this year now really able to to bed down his partnership with Harris Andrews. What does he bring to the team as uh, as a key defender, but also as a as a leader in that side? Yeah, definitely. Um, Marcus, we call him Spess actually because he's best. <laughs> um, he's um he's 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 had a really good year this year, um, Spess, and um, you know the, the the strength he has down back, and I, I know from experience playing against him in practice matches and that he's very very hard to move, as you could imagine by looking at him. Um, uh, but he's just, as you said, that leadership down there, he just brings a really steady, a steady, reliable person down there that, um, you know, in most one-on-one contests, he's not going to get beat. And, um, it's pretty lifting when you see blokes like him and um, Richie, they just go back into the packs without even 
um, a worry. So that's the start of stuff that um, sort of stuff that gets up and about, and um, those blokes down back do that really, really well. Does this season feel any difference to the previous seasons you guys have had as a team, where you've you've competed well, you've finished high on the ladder, you've made finals, um, you've you've had a, a pretty decent sustained run as as one of the front runners in the competition? But does this year in particular feel any much the same or different to previous eras? Um, oh, it's, it's it's we're getting better. I think it's just um, the more games you play with each other and the more you play as a group, um, the maturity and um, experience rises. And I think. You know, in times this year, in games, we've been really, really challenged. Um, I guess the Adelaide game last night and even the Sydney game to an extent, we were really challenged. And um, things in previous years where we probably, you know, might have just thought that that's a bit too hard or it's a bit of a hiccup. We've been able to bounce back and um, and really respond well. And um, I think the thing that's different in previous years is we probably still haven't played our best footy. Uh, and we're still winning games. So um, if you can not be playing your best footy and, and still win games, I think that's a really positive sign. So... Um, when we get things clicking, um, hopefully it'll be a lot more damaging. We can talk about the defenders all day, but no one really wants to talk about the blokes that stay, save goals. <laughs> Let's talk about the blokes that do kick the goals and get involved in it. And we mentioned yourself, 25 and a goal, and you've got your little mate there, Zach Bailey, who is a serious footballer. He had tween disposals and another goal. I mean, you two, to me, look like the players that give that little bit of a spark when you go in and around the footy, and you must love getting in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, me and Bales, uh, I think we, we have similar traits around the ball um, with explosiveness and to be able to get change a little bit. Um, that's what we're getting there to do. And um, he's really just shot off now, Bales. He's turned from, you know, being a, a good game here and there to being a consistent footballer every week, which is um, so exciting for our club. And um, he's a bit of a rascal around the club and, and everyone loves him. So um, he's, he's good to play his onside, Bales. Cam, uh, it's uh, great to see you back on the field as well, playing well. Some of your best football that you've had in your career so far and that your team is doing uh, well on the park as well. Good luck for the weeks ahead and hopefully it keeps on going uh, as well as it has so far for the Brisbane Lions. Thank you, mate. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cam Rayner with us from the Brisbane Lions and uh, they uh, broke their membership record recently as well. 40,000 members yep. uh, this season for the Brisbane. I heard uh, Swanee on during the week, Rick Swan, and uh, I think it was Dwayne actually that asked him Oh, it might have been Andy and Gazi, I'm not sure. But they asked him about the, the Fitzroy supporters, members that they've got. 6,000 Fitzroy members, which is wow. fantastic. And That's a great number. It is. It is. And that's why they get good support. And a bit like the Swans, when the Swans come to town, they get good South Melbourne support when they come to Melbourne. And look, the Brisbane Lions, are a, they're a genuine team. They're a, they're a better team with Cam Rayner and Zach Bailey in it. A much better team. Because they yep. are two really good clearance players that really know how to kick goals. So... Yeah, I think they're, oh, they're going to be right amongst amongst it at the top end. We know that at the back end of the season. But yeah, I, I look at I look at Rainer's like a I don't know what, how would I explain it, but Rainer's he's that power player that's got X factor about him that can stand up in finals. There are guys like Bailey yeah. will stand up in a final because of the way he plays, and I reckon Rainer's another one. So if you've got two guys like that, that are, they're shocking matchups, you know those two. It felt like that they're that hard was... matchups. Maybe the missing ingredient for Brisbane last year and in their recent finals have been someone like Cam Rayner and obviously mm. Eric Hipwood as well, who was out with the injury last year. But that's kind of those are the kind of players who stand up in finals matches. Well, as I mentioned, they're, they're just they're horrible matchups. Like they are because you think, all right, well they're playing forward, they're sort of in and out of the game a bit, but when they go near the ball, they're powerful, and so they're they're not easy. They're not easy to match up on, and then you can throw them in and around the footy, 
and they use explosiveness at stoppage. <laughs> Hard to stop when you got guys like that with that sort of that sort of power. And him and Bailey have got power. So yeah, I think I think they make a huge difference to that team. We'll take our final break here on Crunch Time. So Brisbane Lions, 40,000-plus members. They had 22,000-plus at the game yesterday, which is uh, way up on their recent averages as well. So Brisbane footy, Queensland footy in general, as we mentioned with the Suns before, is uh, really on an upward trend. Our experts today are here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock? Visit buymystock.com.au. Our talkback is for Kogan Mobile. Make the call, switch to Kogan Mobile. And Crunch Time is thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. We'll come back and wrap things up on Crunch Time next ahead of St Kilda and North Melbourne from Marvel Stadium. The award-winning Crunch Time. Enjoying Crunch Time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Sunday Crunch Time. It's time to get across to Josh Jeans from Dabble. Joshy boy, how are you, brother? Yeah, doing well, Piggies. Good to be chatting with you again. How are you? Yeah, I'm going well. It was yeah, another one of your, your mob put on another great performance last night, you being a West Coast fan and all. <laughs> Good old predictable pickers, eh? <laughs> always, always rolling out the same gear. I'll tell you what. Nah, look, it wasn't good, was it? I just getting some stick from your producer, Matt, there. Which I thought it was a bit rich, but, yeah, all good. All good to be on board. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's all going well. Yeah, those, uh, how did those Saturday crunches go? Because uh, we know our crew on a Sunday is pretty good. But what about those knuckleheads yesterday? Well, yeah, obviously one leg let him down, and I think we can all blame uh, your other producer, Ben, there for that one. 40-plus points for the Ds. Oh, and rumour has it that he was uh, Googling, is, the, uh, is it going to be a good snow season already? So, uh, <laughs> no, no, but that's all right. We can bounce back today, Pickers. You go on the Saints, 40-plus. Yep. The Blues, and then Port Adelaide by over 15 and a half. What are you liking there? I like it all. I like it all a lot. I think it might be a little bit trickier with the 40-plus because I just think North will bring a bit of intensity today. But, yeah, the Blues, flip of the coin for me against Collingwood. I think the Blues should win. Uh, and Port 15-plus, yes, we have really gone out on a limb there. They should be belting Essendon, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to play it safe sometimes. You know, you can't go all 40-plus <laughs> wins, can you? But, of course, you can copy that pretty easily. All you have to do is download the app. Uh, follow the Crunch Time AFL team, which is past 500 uh, yes. followers now, Pickers. You'll be glad to know because of all the good work you do on a on a Sunday. And, uh, <laughs> go on, have a devil, devil socially, gamble responsibly. Thanks, Josh. We'll, we'll chat again next week. <laughs> Cheers, Pickers. Cheers, mate. Let's hope the West Coast come good for you, but, man, it's not, it hasn't been great so far. Anyway, that's how it works, Geordie. <laughs> poor, old, poor old Josh cops it from me every week. I mean, you never oh, really boy. get the opportunity over all these years. West Coast have been such a powerhouse, but... Yeah, I mean, Josh, he drives the nails into Geelong a little bit, so I just tend to give him, give him one back between the eyes every now and then. Give him one back, absolutely. The Saints and uh, North Melbourne here today. We've got a marching band here at Marble Stadium. You might be able to hear them in the background squeaking a away. A marching the, band? Uh, yeah. Oh, please. Some guy's got a tuba hung over his shoulder. And a there's tuba? A, a trombone in there. Come on, Zipper. <laughs> Come on. I'm serious. What are they rolling out of... A marching band at the, it's the same home game, isn't it? Yeah. What's the crowd building up like? Because I'm obviously in the studio, but what's the what's the crowd there today, Zip? What do you reckon? Uh, it's a bit light. They're coming in. It's, there's still about it's 20, 20 minutes. minutes until the game 20 starts, minutes so. till game time, but yeah, I would have thought that uh, oh, if I can get 20,000 there today, it would be mainly Saints supporters, as we know. So yeah. uh, Saints fans should be really excited about their team. I, 
I, I didn't have them anywhere near the eight, to be honest, at the start of the year. And, and now I think it's going to be difficult if they win today to actually miss the eight. So, um, yeah, if I was a Saints fan, I'd be getting along too. It's a bit like this I've, game at the MCG later on this afternoon. If I was a Cardinal Collingwood fan, I'd be there in a heartbeat today. Have they got the legs in them? I guess it's not an an- a question we can answer right now, but do you reckon they've got the legs in them to, to run out the season? St Kilda? And, and, yeah, and be strong at the back end of the season. Why not? Why not? I think they've got some players in serious form. You've got Max King, who yeah, is going to be one of the best ruck, no, best forwards in the competition for the next 10 years. But Jack Sinclair's having an All-Australian type year. Geez, he's having a good season. Um, their midfield is underrated. Uh, I noticed they Jack dropped Jack Billings, who uh, yeah. is a sort of player, I think, if they're going to go somewhere in, in September, he needs to be in the team. He's a really talented player. Uh, yeah, they've got a lot of off-Broadway type players, in my view, where... Yeah, you know, you'd be battling unless you're a real red hot St Kilda fan. You'd be battling to know who some of them are. Yeah, but they're good players. You know, you're looking at some of those defenders they've got, and I've I've heard the pipe during the week, which I did laugh. I did have a giggle at the pipe's claiming an interview that he did three years ago. He threw to his own interview actually, <laughs> which was quite surprising. Talking about Callum Wilkie. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is what I said three years ago. <laughs> but anyway, he is a, an underrated player. Um, yeah, you know, that. There's no reason why they can't be really competitive at the back end of the year, in my view. The showpiece game today is at the MCG, Carlton and Collingwoods. Uh, who do you like as a tip there? Oh, I'm picking Carlton because I think they've got the weapons to win, but I just think it's a danger game. I think Collingwood can be right in this match for a hell of a long time. They've got a decent good you know, re- well, recent record, I guess. Carlton haven't been going so well, but their recent record is pretty good. They've won four of the last five against the Blues. Uh, Blues got them late last year, but I don't know. It's it's a, it's a flip of the coin for me, that game. I mean, I'm leaning towards Carlton because, you know, Carlton are in the top four at the moment and they're playing better footy. But Collingwood, they, I think Collingwood are well coached. I think it's going to be a good game. And a game we haven't really spoken about much on today's show yet, but the uh, the twilight game tonight is Port Adelaide hosting Essendon yes. Port. In, uh, they're starting to, to hit yeah. some good form now. They're climbing back up the ladder. Essendon, we don't know yet, but Port Adelaide, are, they're starting to get a little roll on. Yeah, they are, but they'll need to. They need to get a wriggle on. They weren't great last week. They weren't great at all. I didn't think against Geelong. But their second half was poor. But I expect them to win today. I, I do. You know, obviously, you know, you get Charlie Dixon's back in the team. I notice they still haven't. They dropped Georgiatis, which is an interesting one. Not sure a player, I mean, they dropped him for a reason, obviously. He hasn't been going as well as they would have liked. But, geez, I reckon there'll be another a number of other clubs in the competition going, geez, Mitch, watch the space with Mitch Georgiatis. He's pretty bloody good. He's pretty talented. So... Oh, look, Fantasia's still running around playing in the Sandful. So they've got some upside, but they're coming from a long way back. They're 12th on the ladder. They've won four games. They've got a percentage of 103. They've got no, there's no room for error anymore. Like they're, 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 no, yeah. Their opportunity is, if they, one more slip up, like a, a drop of a game like this, their season is over. Yeah, like they, yeah, they, have to, they have to win every game they're supposed to win, and some. They'll need to upset a couple of good teams to make the eight, in my view. Yeah, shows how shows how uh, important a good start to the season is, and if you don't have one, then you're in this position. From you know, we're still in the front half of the season, so you're on tenter hooks already. But they had that, so they started with the this little run with a three point loss to Carlton, then they won three games in a row, and then had mm-hmm. a, a pretty ordinary loss last week to the Cats. But those three wins in a row put them in a decent spot. They got over the line over the Saints by a point, beat the Dogs at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, beat North Melbourne and then lost last a couple week of, to Geelong. They've had a couple of flip of the coin losses, haven't they? Really, you know, yeah. they lost oh, to Brisbane yeah. in a really good game round one. They lost to the Secure. Crows. 
you know, they lost to the Crows. The, the big one, of, or the worst one of the year, was their loss to Hawthorne. Because they got obliterated. Yeah. That was a Russell Ebert day too. A horrible performance by their footy club. Since then, though, to their credit, they have shown a fair bit, in my view. Um, yeah. And they were just a bit disappointing in the second half last week. They were pretty good in the first half. So, no, I expect them to put the foot on this and straight today. But, gee, I want to see something from the Bombers too, Jingo. Bombers the fans will want to see a bit of an effort today. Well, like North Melbourne. Yeah. Like North Melbourne. These two clubs, stop talking. Start sort of doing something. North, you know, I think they'll be competitive today. And I hope Essendon will be later on today. I just think Port Adelaide will have a bit too much class over there. But time will tell. Biggers, thank you. It's been good fun today. It is good fun, Zip Zip, to be sitting with you rather than having you through the glass where I'm just waving at you like a monkey at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's good to be as Matty Hill. Yeah, you had a good go. call this afternoon, boys, <laughs> and uh, I will see you during the week. Uncle Zip Zip. Thank you. Likewise, Biggers. North Melbourne and St Kilda up next. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.